Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry. We're your host, Harrison Kerrig, and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, is it a sin to have fur babies? Now, the reason that we're doing this episode is because over the weekend, I was scrolling through Twitter, and I came across a post that disturbed me to my very core, and it read the following, pizza slice for my wife, thank you God putting her in my life and allowing her to love me as her husband. Now that sounds nice and, and loving and, and very heartwarming, especially in this holiday season until you see the picture that is posted with it. And it is a picture of this man feeding a slice of pizza to his dog with his hands. And I was looking at that and, and mm. that was essentially the, the straw that broke the camel's back where you know, Tim and I, we were both like, all right, we've got to, we've got to do an episode talking about pets in our society. It's time to have this conversation. So Tim, I guess we'll just start off by asking, okay, so is it a sin to have uh, fur babies uh, to refer to animals as fur babies or, or children essentially? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, it seems like it's been a, conversation that's been building for some time and so let's let's go there but um yeah I, with the question is it okay to have fur babies i guess it's uh it's one of those questions that could be taken in several different ways as far as i can tell so the first uh way to take that seems to be the most straightforward way to take it which is probably not what you're intended by the question but that is the question you know is it wrong to attempt through science to create an animal human hybrid Right. <laughs> How did you know that that's exactly what I was trying to ask with that question? Well, I didn't think it was, but, you know, didn't want to um, delimit that as a possibility. Uh, the sec second one may maybe, um, which I don't think you're intending either, but is the is the more general question, is it okay to have pets, right? So is it okay to have fur babies? Is it okay to have pets? Mm -hmm. Um uh, then a third way to take it would be uh, to take it in a way to say, is it okay to call 
pets, fur babies. Is that maybe getting close to where you're going with it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably the closest to what I'm getting at with that kind of question. Well, then four, though, would be, though, is it okay to treat pets like family members? Uh-huh. So what, what do you think? Where do you want to start? Uh, I guess let's start with, well, you know, the post. So the post is about this man treating his dog as his wife. <laughs> so why don't we, why don't we start with the, uh, family members and work our way down to animal human hybrid. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work across yeah. the spectrum. Oh man. Well, um, yeah. So I don't even know where to start with, uh, is it okay to treat pets as family members? But, uh, I think I can, I guess uh, this is the kind of um, phenomenon. Maybe we could just um, step back a bit and then talk about why this is even a question, right? So obviously, um, we'll we'll start out that way. Just you know, why is this even a question we're talking about? So you saw a post and you of a man referring to his uh, um, pet as his wife, and in a lot of ways, that's it's the kind of thing that I. I don't know what to make of that, right? So I don't know if that's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing where it's just um, reflective of some, you know, animal lover who um, is pretty um, uncautious with his words or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And just as, you know, reflecting the fact, you know, some kind of sentiment like, you know, dogs are man's best friend or something along those lines or you know maybe he has a troubled marriage or something like that. <laughs> it's like it's like you know old bessie over here uh, treated me better than my wife ever did you know <laughs> so uh, who knows but um, it, the, the thing is it's it's the kind of thing that um it's the kind of question that really um in some sense you know is is the kind of question i've been expecting for a while now and and it's the kind of thing that you've you've seen building for years and years and years uh, to where we really, um, as in a, we live in a world that really does not understand what the purpose of animals are, right? We don't understand how we're supposed to relate to them, I would say. Um, but then uh, not only like society in general, you know, the more that we chuck a Christian worldview and throw it down the drain, essentially, I think the more confused we are at this very point, but mm-hmm. the church is, seems to be just as bad, right? So like that example you gave, I mean, I could multiply examples just like that. Um, so like, for example, um, there was a couple at the church I went to last, and I won't tell you their name to protect the guilty, but um, they posted a picture on Facebook that was essentially a picture of um, of them you know the couple and their dog and then the dog said had a um a, a shirt on it that said big sis right and that was <laughs> how did we get here tim how did okay. how did we get here <laughs> now all right so but that's you know that's not uncommon at all like that kind of thing is not uncommon um um uh, just things like that uh now me and you you know i won't we won't say her name but we counseled a girl who was essentially you know a high school girl whose uh parents um her or basically you know her her dad was long out of the picture and her mom abandoned her and her brother for long periods of time and she was essentially um starving to death because she spent all of you know what little money she made from a part-time job trying to feed her uh, brother and 
her cat, you know? And so, um, I mean, that's a, that's a sad example, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I think this was, um, this kind of issue was really, uh, brought home to me probably, you know, about six years ago. And I, I was at a funeral of, um, church member who, um, whose husband had died and the, um, her kids, you know, they were coming and they were in the midst of grieving and everything else. But, uh, the, the kids were two single people, both of whom, you know, were career people. So there was a guy who was single and the girl who was single. And then, you know, they're in the midst of this funeral and their dad just died. And so they're, they're coming, um, to the house, you know, to, figure out what to do with their mom and everything else. And both of them come with, you know, they're both single career people and they both come with their pets, right? So they each have their own pet. And so instead of getting married, you know, they're off getting a job and, you know, first thing they do is get a pet. And I mean, I, I, I've looked at, you know, every, every church I've been at, it seems like young people, the first thing they seem to do is it's, it's like right when they, you know, want to start off life, it's first impulse seems to be to get a pet before they even get married. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So get a pet and then, um, and then couples, you know, instead of, you know, just getting married and having some sort of expectation, you're going to have kids. First thing they do is go out and buy a pet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it seems, it seems like, uh, like examples like that could be multiplied. I mean, I, you know, you call Regions Bank, for example, and they have some absurd and obscene, uh, kind of, um, whatever that is, uh, call waiting music that's going on that basically is trying to persuade you to get a second mortgage on your home so you can give your furry <laughs> friend the backyard he deserves, you know? <laughs> and I mean, it's like we're, we're living in a society right now where we don't, we really don't understand what, um, pets are for at all. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming. It's obvious. It's like we, we're in some sense, uh, trying to do something with pets that you're supposed to be doing with people right <laughs> so so i mean for, for, so so i mean whether it's just like you you have this deep desire for companionship and so you you want to get married well, instead of you know you having a hard time doing that so you go buy a pet or you have a desire to have a child and so you you know instead of doing that you um get a pet right um as a, as a parent or and so i mean i think the natural result of all that is obviously going to be at some point to where you know you're living in a society which blurred those lines to such a degree that now we're you know asking a question is it okay to marry your pet right <laughs> 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 uh, but then the question you know you're asking is is the question is it okay to treat pets like family members essentially right mm-hmm. all right so that i mean that's where we'll start so is it okay to treat pets as um pets like family members and and i think um i think this gets at um something about the na- the idea of pet in general that seems to me to be inherently problematic okay mm-hmm. so it seems like um there's a passage in the bible that seems to be relevant to this as far as i'm concerned and so uh, you know, if you're listening, you want to open your Bible, open it to Genesis 2.18. And Genesis 2.18, it, it, it seems like, you know, if you want to understand why we're here, why God made us, then there's no um, easier place to go than Genesis, and that's a book of uh, origins, essentially. But then one of the things that's kind of amazing about this passage is that 
Um, I mean, Genesis tells you, you know, in the beginning, God made man. He made man in his own image, right? Uh, in the beginning, he made him male and female. If you want to look at our society and see all the things that are wrong with our society, almost at every single point, there's almost like a step-by-step reversal about what's happening in Genesis. And, and you know, one of the in, more interesting things that is happening in Genesis, and this is something that people don't all, often notice, is that in Genesis 2.18, um, the Bible says that uh, the, the, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Okay? So it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Right? Mm-hmm. So God, God didn't design man to be fundamentally alone. So God creates Adam first. And then God is looking at Adam and he's, you know, the the interpretation there is it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to make a helper fit for him. And what immediately happens in the passage is that God brings, you know, um, uh, now out of the ground, it says uh, the Lord, uh, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock. So, so at this point in history, right, you have man like as a single singular entity surrounded by animals and yet God describes him as being alone, right? Mm-hmm. Think about like the theological implications of that. So man is surrounded by animals, and yet he's saying God's describing him as being alone, and that's not a good state. So what does God do? He brings all the animals around man to see what he would name him, right? And uh, it says, whatever, what, whatever the man called every living creature that was his name, the man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heaven, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him, right? Mm-hmm. No helper fit for man among the animals. So what did what did God do? Well, then God makes a woman for the man, so that he will not be alone, and that he'll have a helper fit for him. And that tells you something about like none of these animals were meant to be his companion, right? Wait, so he didn't give him the golden retriever and the slice of pizza? <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the case that. Um, that if that was what God intended, there was no need for a woman, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but but then you know this is uh, I mean, this this creation account. It says it's not good for man to be alone. This is I mean it basically gives us a biblical view of what marriage is in general. I mean uh, marriage is one man plus one woman in a covenant forever, and that's I mean this is how you argue against you know po- polygamous marriage. You, you think about the formula one plus one equals you know one flesh, right? One man plus one woman equals one flesh. That's where you argue from polygamy. That's how you argue uh, pedophilia. You know, mm-hmm. it's one man, one woman. It's not one man, one child. I mean, that's how you argue against homosexuality, right? It's mm-hmm. not one man plus one man equals one flesh. It's one man plus one woman. So it's not good that man to be alone. Man's supposed to look to a woman to be his corresponding helper, to be his companion, right? Um, but then apart from that, even having all the animals there related to this topic, he's alone, right? So it seems to me that if you're going to say, hey, um, is it okay to p- treat pets like family members? Well, like the problem there is just to say that from a biblical perspective, like a, 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 a pet is wholly unsuited to that role, right? Right. Does that make sense? Right. Like because the pet is not a human, and there's a fundamental difference between man and animal. Uh, man is given dominion over the animal, and, and I mean, you know, just is a simple passage. Uh, when I think it was a, a Samaritan woman was asking Jesus for healing, um, and he looks at her and he says, "Hey, it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs, right?" Mm-hmm. 
And her response is, is to say, hey, you know, yeah, but even the dogs eat the bread from the master's table. Uh, like she didn't seem to be offended by that like a good feminist should have been. But uh, the, <laughs> uh, the problem, though, is to say that his principle is right. Like there is a fundamental difference. Like it's immoral like to mix categories in that kind of way to treat um, like there, there is a care that a person um, has that he ought to be given uh, to his children that does not belong to animals, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I mean, just to give you a funny story along those lines, I mean, I, I you know, I'm constantly trying to warn my children that um, pets are not people, right? Right. And so I'm trying to tell them this all the time. And so I, like, they probably roll their eyes at me because I say it so much, but I mean, <laughs> I, I am constantly saying pets are not people, they're food, right? And so. <laughs> 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 now I've told them this over and over and over. Pets are not people; they're food, uh, because I, I don't want them to fall into this lie that I see that's giving birth to the pizza man, right? Right. Um, okay. Uh, but then one of my kids, and I, I won't tell you who it, it was, but um, he uh, found a lizard and wanted to bring him home and put him in some sort of enclosure. And he looked at all of us and he said, "Hey, we have a new member of the family today, right?" Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, that animal is not a member of our family. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I do not love that animal the way that I love you. I'm not making any commitment to care for that animal. That animal can go at the moment it starts to bother me, right? (laughs) And it can be disposed of. Uh, Like, we, like, this is, um, this is an animal. Like, this is not a creature that's made in the image of God. Like, we... Uh, we might think that he's fun or neat to look at and see how he camouflages himself with rocks, but he's we, we should not love him or treat him as a human or act like he's a human or attribute to him human names as far as that goes. So, uh, well, uh, well, it may be ironic to attribute to him human names. I meant human care, uh, human uh, emotions and affections, and you know, to treat him as if he's a human being. So. So, yeah, no, I think it's fundamentally immoral and abiblical um, to treat pets as family members. So, you know, like we said at the beginning, um, this is obviously a problem that is pervasive in our society right now. Even in the Christian community, uh, I think, I mean, honestly, I don't even really see a difference Personal, just anecdotally, I don't really see a difference between unbelievers and belie- oh, believers not. in terms of you know the way they treat their animals. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, like I, I, you know, just looking at couples in the church world, we're doing the same thing. I mean, we the first thing that any couple does is they go out and they get if they haven't already acquired an animal for themselves. It seems like the first thing that they do is acquire an animal, right? Um, and then they, you know, they obviously um, treat them as if they're family members, despite whatever they claim to be doing. And I mean, you know that they do because I test this all the time just because, you know, I uh, like to, um, you know, put people in situations where I'm going to get more information out of them than they think I am, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I mean, I'm constantly testing this very thing because I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I can't, I, you know, people will probably just roll their eyes at me and think I'm crazy, but I'm doing it for a reason. But, um, 
but you know i'm i'm constantly making jokes about like hey you know isn't it nice to have an additional food supply in case the zombie apocalypse comes right (laughs) 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 but no one thinks that's funny but me (laughs) you know in fact (laughs) i mean i think it's hilarious but then no one thinks it's i mean no one thinks it's funny in fact they think they look at me as if i've said something fundamentally immoral almost every time like i without exception like they look at me as if I've said something fundamentally immoral, and that tells you though that that like there isn't like they are they they are treating them like a family member, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like like you know what? Why wouldn't you if things got rough and tough, kill that thing in order to feed yourself or your family if you're starving to death? But then, I mean, you know, we live in a society right now where, I mean, the major plot of like TV shows and movies is that very point, right? So like Superman, uh, which one was it with the, where uh, the dad walks into the hurricane? The- <laughs> I forgot. I forgot all about that. <laughs> oh, Man, Man of Steel. Yeah. Where he, Man uh, of Steel. I mean, yeah. Where yeah, the whole plot, uh, you go ahead. Where he, uh, yeah, the tornado is coming and the dog is, is the dog trapped in the car? Is that yeah, what happens? So, yeah. And then he like, doesn't let Superman save him. He goes in the car and all the, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, let me go save the dog. You know, it's like, that's not hero- heroism, right? That's, that's insanity. Like that's like, you know, but that's the major plot of a TV show. This is us or whatever, where uh, the house is burning down and the dad goes in there to save the dog and ends up dying. And then they have to deal with it, you know? It's like, this is immoral. This is not, like, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his pet, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, come come on, you know? <laughs> like, this is this is sub-biblical. This is sub-Christian, you know? This is, this is, um, uh, this is not even <clears throat> remotely uh, uh, helpful in any way, you know? But anyways, no, I don't see, I don't see the difference. Okay. Uh huh. Right. I don't see the difference in the Christian world. Like, right. Um, we we um, we we may not be yet at the point where we're gonna, you know, hold out a slice of pizza and you know call the dog our wife, but we've done everything else. Right. <laughs> so, but go ahead. So, um, you know, like like we said, there there's not really a difference between unbelievers and believers in terms of how they treat their animals. So. Um, I guess first, uh, yeah. I mean, example of that is Karen Swallow Pryor, um, uh, prof- uh, former professor at Liberty, basically says that she has a more visceral reaction to like an animal being abused than the thought of abortion. So like, this is this is a, a problem, okay? But anyways, go ahead. Um, so I guess um, the first, the, I guess the first step in the question would be so. Your argument was was essentially, you know, hey, Genesis is showing us that Adam was alone. Even when all of the animals were there, he was naming all the animals. They were all around him. He was still alone, and God said that it it wasn't good for him to be alone. So he he makes a helper. He makes Eve, and he says that um, that it's very good, right? That uh, right. that Eve is with him as a helpmate. Um, he names Eve. And he's now no longer alone. Um, so, so that tells us that you know, obviously, we've in some way elevated animals to a position that they weren't meant to fill. But then, what does that mean for us 
morally? Um, I mean, is it, is this just like a, like a, Hey, you know, whoops, my bad. Or is this like, is the sin we're talking about? Is this unwise, um, actions that we're taking unwise things that we're saying, unwise views that we're, um, applying to our animals? Or is this something worse? Is this, is this to the point where, you know, it, it's, we're in like sin territory now. Yeah, I mean, I guess just maybe you could clarify uh, what is the this. Oh, uh, the this would be uh, treat you know treating animals as a member of the family, whether it's you know the the you know dog wife or it, <sighs> it's fur babies or whatever you know it's the lizard that's now joined your family. Uh, you know where where is this falling in terms of moral categories yeah treating a pet as a family member um i i think i think it's a difficult question to answer because there's obviously a spectrum of people uh, who are doing things along these lines and so in some sense it's like it's hard to um talk about um like like some you know like the like the couple or whatever who has the dog and they're basically has a big sister shirt on it or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you were to confront them about it, it might be that the response is, Hey, yeah, I know that they're not their actual sisters. Come on, man. Just like lighten up a little bit. And it's just a joke. Right. It's just a joke yeah. as far as that goes. But then the problem is it's like it obviously doesn't seem like a joke. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is it obviously doesn't seem like a joke because it seems like you love this animal as much as you love a human being. And like your life revolves around this animal and you treat it as if it's a kid. You talk about it as if it's a kid, right? Uh, you act as if it's a kid. I mean, like you... Um, like you're turning, you, you know, from a, for a long time, you've turned to these animals to do for you what human beings should do. And so you'll forgive us if we think perhaps that there might be possibly something a little bit more to it than just a joke. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I mean, I think, but, um, you know, obviously people, when it comes right down to it, they are going to retreat to, Hey, I was just joking. Right. Or just quit taking everything so seriously, mm-hmm. or, you know, lighten up or, whatever else and you can't really you know judge the heart when it comes right down to it and so there is that kind of basic uh, problem but but i mean I, I would i would say that um you know satan's plan is at every single point to undermine everything that you see happening in genesis right so god like basically gave us the book of genesis to tell us you know basic questions like who are we why are we here where do we come from and where are we going? You know, all those basic worldview kind of questions. And so if you read Genesis, then what you find is, you know, God made us and he made us distinct from the animal. He's given us dominion over the animals. And so, um, like we're living in a society right now that, you know, basically finds it more immoral for Joe Biden to experiment on puppies, right? Uh, uh, cause them harm than to create a vaccine that is going to, um, uh, that is that's done with aborted humans. And so 
Satan's plan is obviously to mix those things up. So God says, hey, we have dominion over the animals. God's made us male and female. And then he's told us to be fruitful and multiply. And every single one of those components is being under attack, under attack at every single conceivable level. And so, you know, knowing that, then essentially, like if you're the girl who's saying, hey, you know, I want to be married, but I can't. So let me go out and buy a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Right, well, um, or you're the guy who's like, hey, I want, Someone to love me, so I go and buy a dog, and he's going to love me more than any you know woman is going to do because women are crazy and hard and all that, right? Uh-huh. Hard to get along with. They look pretty, but you know it's just a lot of work, and this is easy. Like the problem is, like you're do- what you're doing at that point. Like to answer your question, is it like how like in terms of moral categories, is it sinful? Like what you're doing is you're fundamentally rejecting the reason God made you. Right. It's like you're doing something like very similar to homosexuality. Like homosexuality is like rejecting the natural function of a woman and turning to a solid waist chute to do what a woman is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're rejecting the natural function of the woman. And so you're doing something sif- similar to that when you turn to an animal to meet those basic needs for companionship that you're supposed to get through human beings. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So there's no fun, fundamentally, I, I guess just a difference of degree, but not of type. Does that make, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You mean like you, when this, you, when you say yeah. that you're, you're just meaning, um, you know, uh, it's the same, it's the same exact mistake that's being made. It's just obviously not as bad. Or, right, or not, yeah, maybe yeah, not as say, bad isn't the best way to say it. Well, but. well, no, it's not. I would say it's like um, sodomy is much worse than right. you know a couple putting a uh, t-shirt a, a t-shirt on the dog saying big sis, but it's the same basic error. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you are uh, rejecting the natural function of an animal, right? Uh, rejecting a natural function of human companionship and trying to find an animal. It's the same type of thing. It's just to a different degree of depravity. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're doing that, yes, I think, yes, that's obviously like you're rebelling against God in a pretty high handed way. But the problem is, it's just like, is it like in order to say, to make that land or stick, you have to do some sort of judging of a person's heart you know, where, where they can just retreat and say, hey, you know, and, and everyone does. It's just like, oh, yeah, I know it's not a human being and mm-hmm. whatever else. And I, you know, it's just, uh, you know, but it's God's creation. We should care for them and everything else. And I'm just I'm just joking. You know, it's just all in good fun and everything else. It's like, yeah, OK, you know, but I just, you know, you'll forgive me if I, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem, though, is that you can't substantiate it. Like very easily, right? Mm-hmm, right, you, you're, right. You're 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 left with just okay. Well, right. If you say so, right. But um, if it looks like a dog and it smells like a dog, and you know, <laughs> then it might be like your dog. wife. <laughs> it might be your wife. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, and that kind of brings up another question, which is, you know, obviously, it, it seems like you're saying this is kind of a uh, when it, when it comes to the way that we as a society treat animals, it's clearly wrong, but then in individual cases, it gets a lot harder 
um, to distinguish what is sin and what is not. Um, so, so that begs the question then, you know, what, what, how should we interact with our Christian brothers and sisters when they demonstrate this kind of behavior? I know, I know you mentioned earlier that you like to, to mess, mess with people and essentially, you know, uh, suggest eating, eating the pet, you know, um, should we have similar responses, um, in general to Christians who are, who seem like they're treating their pets more than just, uh, animals? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not pushing back on it at all, then I would say you're probably part of the problem. Okay. So like, and, and you just don't even know it. Like you don't see it. Like you don't see it for what's, what it is and what's actually happening. Uh, so if you're not like aware of, you know, like the, the issue, then I, I think if you're aware of the issue, then you, you're, you're going to have to be pushing back because I mean, it's just so like overwhelmingly obvious that you're living in a society right now that absolutely loves animals more than it loves humans and is trying to get from animals what it should be getting from humans. And if you don't see it, then you're part of the problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, uh, I, I mean, Matt Walsh just had a, you know, a video on, um, I listen to him from time to time just to see what, uh, pagan Catholics like him say, <laughs> but, um, the thing is, it's like, he, you know, he was pointing out the inconsistency of everyone sitting there losing their mind over, uh, you know, Fauci experimenting on the, um, you know, putting the little um, boxes over the dog's head where they're being eaten alive by insects. And they were outraged by that and incensed by that. But then you've been creating a vaccine that is done through you know, aborted baby parts and no one cares. And, and, you know, the comments to him at that point were just essentially to say like, Hey, uh, you know, I love animals. Animals are way better than humans all the time. And, and I mean, at, at every famous, like, you know, animal death. So like Harambe, the monkey or whatever, mm-hmm. or the kid falls into the enclosure and they have to shoot the ape, you know, everyone is so like, they're, they're basically just like, you, you read the comments and it's just like, Hey, they, you know, this is fundamentally immoral. Like they're more concerned about the ape than they are about the kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, when one of those circus guys, I don't know if it was Siegfried or Roy got Roy or whatever. I can't remember who they were, but they got eaten by the tiger and everyone was like, well, that's what you deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we we're living in a world right now that absolutely is messed up as far as that goes. And if you're not pushing back at, against it at all, then I think that you're probably part of the problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're not trying to say, Hey, you know, aren't we, getting a little crazy like why is it that i mean like i i know young women who would love to get married and they can't uh but then everyone like they're you know they will even tell you you know i can't you know like i'm just gonna go instead of get married and go buy a pet you know mm-hmm. like it's a big it's a big problem and then you look at every young couple and it's just like instead of having kids they wait like three or four years and get a pet you know it's like this is an issue and if you don't see it then you're blind like so i mean i obviously i think we should be doing what we can um to try to to say the obvious in as far as that goes uh but um you know, from the reactions I've gotten as I've attempted to do that, I don't, I don't think that um, many people really realize like how big of a problem this is. To be honest, mm-hmm. but I th- yeah, I think we should be pushing back. So, what, uh, 
what does that look like exactly though? So, I mean, I know you're saying you're, you're making kind of like the, the joke about it. Um, it, are there other responses that would be helpful in terms of pushing back against this idea in your mind? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we should be having, I I, I make jokes about it all the time as kind of preventative medicine mm-hmm. is what I hope to be preventative medicine. And actually it's just, you know, making me wildly annoying to be around, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, you know, when I see a young couple and it's like, you know, they go out and they buy the dog, I, I, I do ask them, you know, why, why the pet, you know, why not children? Are, why aren't you trying to get married? Mm-hmm. You know, and I have those, uh, why, why not get married? You know, why are you? going to the animal with this, you know? Um, and, and, and I mean, I think that that's a valid question, you know, like to, to think through and to, to be asking people as far as that goes. And, and so, yeah, I think there's a place for rebuking people. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. Like you're a young man who's addicted to porn and you can't stop, you know, self gratification and everything else. And you go out and you buy a dog. You mm-hmm. think that's going to help you, you know, with your problem? Like, um, or, you know, I mean, I think there's plenty of Christians who, you know, wish they could serve the Lord and do things and be free. But then, you know, they're always having to find pet sitters and do everything else because their life is interrupted by this animal. And so I think you know, conversations need to be had. Um, out of curiosity, when you ask those kind of questions, what's normally the answer that you get? Yeah, I mean, most people, like, no one's going to say, hey, yeah, I'm making an idol out of this. <laughs> <laughs> What? So, I see what I'm you're shocked. saying. I, uh, I see what you're saying. I, I'm obviously, you know, making an idol out of this. I'm obviously, you know, I'm obviously trying to get from an animal what I should be getting from humans. Thank you for telling me, Tim. I mean, I'm just so thankful that you you brought this up to me because I've never thought about that before. You know, it's like that never happens. <laughs> what normally happens is it's like, oh, well, you know, God gave us animals. And so, you know, I mean, come on, you know, like I, I, I know you, you know, we, we shouldn't treat them like humans and all that. And, but, uh, you know, I can't get married right now. I want to be so, you know, I'm going to get a pet, you know, so that is what it is, you know. So it's just like, yeah, obviously I shouldn't treat it like a husband, you know, so, but, um, but, you know, yeah, maybe that's a danger yeah, that I might be looking to an animal for love when I should be, you know, dealing with what's actually going on in my heart in a more healthy way. But Mm -hmm. no one seems to want to admit it, obviously. (laughs) Um, so, so, uh, I mean, we've talked about the difference between, or I mean, there's basically no difference between Christians and non-believers when it comes to pets and essentially essentially what's kind of being said there as far as i can see there there's really no pushback at all against the the way that no. um our society views animals at all there's pretty much no there's no as voice as out there that, that is saying hey maybe we're taking this a little bit too far here right? i don't even see any big name theologians talking about it myself right like, i don't i don't see anyone pushing back at it at all and it's and that's what's so troubling about it is just like i know that like it's it's a huge issue it's like why don't people see it you know? right and and the thought process here is you know essentially there's no one really speaking out against this at all and a lot of times 
when I see stuff like the, I'll see stuff online, you know, like the post that I talked about at the beginning of the episode. And, and a lot of times the, the, um, response to any objection that might be made about a post like this is, is, is what you're saying. It's like the, Oh, well, obviously, you know, people don't actually think this way. And, and, uh, no one is crazy enough to actually call their dog their wife, and this guy must be kidding. Or if he's not kidding, he's the only one out here saying that it's no, it should be normal for him to be, you know, sexually attracted to and <laughs> and committed to for life. Um, this dog that is now filling the role of his wife, or at least attempting to fill fill the role of his wife. So. Um, Here, here's why I think that is. I, I can tell you why I think it is. So, is that is that where you're going with it? Or are you going somewhere well, else? well, I'm basically I'm I'm basically wanting to ask. You know, if no one's if no one's stopping if no one's stopping this, and the re, the response is always like, "Well, this isn't normal," and and normal people don't think this way. But then the reality is, I mean, doesn't it seem like it's kind of inevitable? that if there's nothing there to stop it, it eventually is just going to go there, right? Well, yeah, I think, yeah, and that's kind of um, what I, I think what's happening is we've, we've accepted an idea of a pet and that leaves us um, like in a thoughtless way to where that leaves us to where we don't really know how to interact with what's happening. Mm-hmm. So what what I mean by that is I think that the idea of a pet in of itself is inherently problematic. Now, okay. when you say that, I, I think that sounds extreme, but you have to give me a few minutes to explain what I'm saying. But I mean, I think the idea of a pet itself is inherently problematic. Okay. Now, if that's the case, then... Like, I, I don't think people have, like, stopped to consider what a pet actually is. We've just accepted that that's fine, right? There's no biblical command that says, thou shalt not have a pet or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's, like, the idea of a pet itself, I, I'm trying to say, I think that there's problems with the very idea of a pet. And so if you accept that, then you really don't have any way of, like, stopping all the problems that we've talked about. Okay. So I was trying to figure out, well, you know, what is a pet? And it's a very simple thing to do is because you, like all you do is just look up dictionaries, pet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, so a pet, you know, obviously is a distinct category of animal care over and against different types of animals. Uh, but like you look up pet in a Cambridge dictionary and what you're going to see is a pet is an animal that's kept in a home as a companion and treated kindly. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So dictionary.com, any domesticated or tame animal that's kept as a companion and cared for affectionately. So those two definitions, you think about that and you think, whoa, like there's a lot in that definition that you might not have thought about. Right? Mm-hmm. Like an animal that is kept in a home as a companion. Um, now, Merriam-Webster gave uh, a different aspect of a pet, and Merriam-Webster basically says a domesticated animal kept for pleasure rather than utility. Okay, mm-hmm. and so if you try to simplify what you just what I just read in two ways, it seems like in common usage a pet is two, two is one of two things. 
one, it's an animal companion, right? Mm-hmm. Or at two, it's a domesticated, like a tame animal kept for pleasure rather than utility. So what that's meaning is it's like an animal distinct from a horse. So you have a horse, right? And a horse has a purpose. It's, it has, it's useful in certain ways. It's going to be a mode of transportation that will drive you around. I mean, typically people, they may name their horse, but they no one typically considers a horse a family member, right? Right. Because a horse doesn't live inside your house and you don't treat him as a family member and you don't, uh, you, you know, you could imagine plenty of westerns where the guy gets attached to the horse because you know they've been everywhere together and all that and the horse has learned how to be ridden by him and And, you know it's like you know but i mean most of the time the cowboy when he loses a horse he you know curses and says i lost a good horse you know (laughs) you know but he's not grieving as if he just lost a family member right Mm -hmm. Uh, and the same kind of thing but then like a cow is kind of you know you don't keep the cow in the house it'll destroy the house uh as far as that goes um and you, most of the time you don't name them you may want to name them like hamburger or something like that but uh <laughs> if you're smart you don't try to name the thing and you know treat it like a family member but like you know a horse has a certain utility uh, cow has a utility you can get meat or you know uh uh, milk or hide from it um chickens have certain utilities but no one would you know fall in love with their chicken really mm-hmm. right uh, hopefully so, but, not but, hopefully not well, hopefully well, who knows i guess but, you can't really count anything out at this point well i think i re- remember hearing a story about that but i'm not going to talk about it. um but um but um uh, anyways so but i i think like the the point though is that the idea of a pet is um in some ways it, it, it seems to be like um the product of um uh, and I'm, I'm just making a generalization. It seems to, that we've done uh, wonders with uh, breeding animals to the point where we've domesticated like the modern dog and the modern cat, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Bible, like dogs were like scary. <laughs> <laughs> like beware of the dogs beware of the mutilation right like you read that in the bible and you don't think oh man like nice you know puppy at home man's like, best friend up. man's best friend you don't think that you think pack of wild dogs is gonna uh-huh. eat you right and that sheds a little bit of light on lazarus laying there and having his sores licked by the dogs like these weren't like puppies these were like wild animals that were licking his sores like this is not a good like happy nice picture this was something else right mm-hmm as far as that goes but um so I, I think one of the things that we've done is we've attempted to like breed the wildness out of dogs and cats and everything else and uh to the point where i mean largely we've done an okay job of it and now i mean you know there's still stories of like woman goes jogging with two pit bulls who gets eaten by our pit bulls or whatever else right <laughs> like and, and i mean there's plenty of dogs that i've been at you know um where they're sitting there barking at you and growling at you and their, you know, idiot owner doesn't realize that you're about to get eaten by this animal. You know, oh, they're nice. You know, they're nice and they're friendly. It's like, yeah, okay, well, can you put them up, please? Because like, they don't seem nice and friendly mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> it seems like I'm about to get eaten, you know. And then if I try to defend myself, you're going to be mortally offended, you know, uh, by this uh, thing here. Uh, but um, anyway, so uh, but the the point though is just to say I think the idea of a pet in general is an animal that is either viewed as a companion companion or an animal with no functional utility that's just there for pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And like the first part of that, an animal an animal kept as a companion 
like that seems to me to be fundamentally wrong in the way that we've just described, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're looking to an animal to be your companion, the problem is that God doesn't want you to find companionship among the animals. Like that's why he said Adam was alone in the garden while all the animals existed in the world, mm-hmm. right? And then he tells man to find companionship with humans, not with animals. He says, you know, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helper. And then, you know, go get married, have babies, right? Fill the earth full of people. Fill the, and then, you know, like there's a restatement of that in the New Covenant where you fill the world up full of disciples. And you're told, to, you know, God's building a church. And then you're told to admonish one another, correct one another, exhort one another, rebuke one another, love one another, greet one another, welcome one another. Like you're, you're, you're supposed to look for this idea of companionship or fellowship or koinonia in the Greek. And, you know, in terms of the New Testament, you're looking for that with people, not with animals. And so, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, it seems like the idea of a pet fundamentally is an attempt to reverse that uh, most often, okay? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it could be in a simple way if you're just, you know, if you're not going with Cambridge Dictionary or Dictionary.com, you go with Merriam-Webster and it's just like, well, it's that animal that's been tamed and kept for pleasure rather than utility, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it seems to me that, like, the what I'm trying to say is the idea of a pet is inherently problematic in of itself. Now, if the idea of a pet is inherently problematic, if, like, you're looking for a pet to be a companion, right, and not just something that's just like, oh, look at that. That's pretty neat. God's creation right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to enjoy seeing all its funny little things and everything else. Pure, just pure pleasure, not companionship at all. But but I think that that idea, though, more closely is the companion idea. And I mean, and that's why my son said, hey, you know, we got a new member of the family with the lizard, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it like the most natural idea of a pet is an animal companion. And I think that that's, you know, so but then basically, if you if you if you if you say, OK, this animal is a companion, right? Right. Then, like, you've you've lost the whole argument at that point because then it's just, a, well, like, yes, like, it's okay for them to be companions so long as they're not too close, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so you don't have any way to push against anything that just happened because you accept the idea of a companion animal as normative. And then I would just push back and say, hey, wait a minute. Is that normal? Right? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, are you doing something fundamentally flawed there? By looking at them as companion. And then what would it look like for you to say, hey, like they're not a companion at all? Wouldn't you have to be proactively telling yourself, this is not a companion, this is not a companion, and I don't need to treat them like a companion, this is simply just an animal for pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Or like some kind of function, you know, like it's a guard dog, I'm a single woman, you know, no one will marry me because all these guys are crazy and failed in the launch and, you know, everything else. And so I need some sort of protection and everything else so you know um strained relations family whatever get a dog okay what without wading into all that it's a guard dog you know it's like okay well fine it's your guard dog are you gonna cry and have a funeral for it when it dies <laughs> you know <laughs> really you know i mean so i mean but I, I imagine there's a type of redneck that probably would you know it's like oh it's my guard dog you know whatever mm-hmm well it's got rabies time to go put it down you know on to the next one (laughs) on to the next one you know that was a good cattle herding dog you know um but um anything but but yeah no so i think we've accepted the the long of it the short of it is i think we've accepted that fundamental contradiction 
like in the idea of a pet itself. And so then basically like, that's why no one's speaking out against it because we just don't know how to, like, we just, you know, watch you, you know, start down the dark path forever will dominate your destiny essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, okay. So are you essentially saying in no way, shape or form, is it really, um, a good idea to ever have an animal in your house unless unless it's meant to perform some sort of like service for your family or something you know like the guard dog or or maybe you get like the you live on the farm and you get the cat that eats all the say it yeah let me make sure i understood so you're saying am i saying in no way shape or form is it okay to have an animal in the home unless it has some sort of specific like utility or function. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like unless, unless it has some form of, you know, use essentially. Um, uh, or, or I guess like maybe I know you had, you had said somewhere, um, in your answer that you might could get away with the, you know, um, the animal is providing some form of pleasure. Now, obviously we're not talking about pleasure in the same way, the guy that posted the picture is probably talking about pleasure. Um, no, <laughs> not that kind of pleasure. Uh, but, uh, but you know, some form of, of oh wow, you know, joy lo- and yeah, you know, look at God's creation kind of thing. We can observe it up close. Um, it you know are those kind of is is that essentially what you're saying? Like, hey, those are the only acceptable times to really ever have an animal in your house and ever call it a pet. Does yeah, that, does that I mean, make I think, sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't, I guess there's two kind of questions there. One is like, can the animals go in your home? Period. Right. Right. And then two, if they are, then you know, should it only be for like utility or, you know, joy or something like that? Um, and, and I would just, you know, I would just say, you know, is it. it it's not intuitively obvious to me that most animals are even really good house guests, right? I mm-hmm. mean, most I mean, most homes I go in with animals in there, I mean, like they look like a barn, they smell like a barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you That's go in true. there, you get hair all over yourself. I mean, it stinks, and um, you know, if you're not accustomed to the smell, it's it can be. I mean, it, it's like they tear up your house. Like I, I don't know, there's many animals out there that don't just you know, without significant training, tear up your house. And like most people are not like demonstrably good animal trainers. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just the reality. Just, just like, I'm, you know, not saying anything shocking. It's just like, they tear up your homes. Like they tear up your homes. They make your home, homes smell like barns and kennels. And, um, uh, as far as that goes, I mean, like they worst case, you know, they, uh, well, like best case scenario, you know, they tear up your furniture and, you know, make everything smell. Worst case scenario, you start to get fleas or ticks on yourself by living with them. Um, or, you know, uh, worse, they start attacking you or biting you or, you know, you or one of your kids or mm-hmm. or a guest or whatever else. I mean, I don't know that they they often excel at hospitality. I don't know that people who, you know, don't like animals typically like going into a home and having an animal jump all over them and you know, scratch up their clothes and, you know, everything else. And, you know, I, I was doing a job at a house recently and the dog comes up there and sniffs my butt, you know, and I guess when I walk in there, it's just like, what in the world? 
<laughs> this is not my thing here, you know. <laughs> Barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> Don't nobody go there, you know. Uh, like uh, put their face there, you know, and get away, you know. But um, I mean, so they don't make. So I mean, I, I think it's it's like just on a practical level. I don't you know give you allergies. You know, it's just like it it. Uh, if you want to have a nice hospitable home, it's not like really all that wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. way to do it. Um, but then, um, like biblically, so that's just pragmatic answer to the question. But then, biblically speaking, um, you know, um, I do think like. If you are going to have an animal in your home, um, then you have to like be very diligent to be telling yourself that this is not a companion, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a companion. So I'm not using Cambridge Dictionary definition of pet or Dictionary.com definition of pet. This is not my animal companion. Like I'm, man was not made to find companionship among the animals. This is simply um, a domesticated animal kept for pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. But then I would say that, you know, in 99.999% of the cases, people aren't able to keep that distinction in their mind, right? Right. Like, I don't think, I think they're fundamentally failing at it because the idea of a pet in and of itself is just training you to treat them as a companion. And I don't think most people have the intellectual or um, 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 moral kind of fortitude necessary to, you know, treat something, or bring something into your home like that and not emotionally tie yourself to it as a family member, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly with all the influences out there that are just training us to do that very thing, you know. I don't see anyone, I don't see many people successful at it, you know? Right. So, I mean, and I think you would be successful at it if, like, if you could, like, if the dog died and you don't cry, right? Mm-hmm. And you go get a new guard dog, I would say you probably won. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you probably did it well, but I don't know that many people, I don't know anyone who does that. Right, you know? <laughs> right. In fact, I mean, we're you know, he, your dog dies, and you send out a you know social media message asking everyone to pray for you, and you know you're grieving as you know bad or worse as you would, um, um, you know, if a human being died, and like that, I don't think that's like, I think that's not um, whatever that is. That's not godly grief, you know? right? That reminds me of um, a time. I think I think my wife was out of town and it was just me here and we have one cat and for whatever reason I had left the window open in our kitchen and we live up on the second story of a building that's really tall so the second story is actually much higher than a normal um, second story would be I think and and so I had this window open and I was off doing I don't know if I was cleaning or what I was doing but uh, I heard something knock get knocked over by the window, and my my immediate thought was my stupid cat just like fell out of the window <laughs> to and probably to his death, <laughs> and I and then my I mean my only thought was just simply what a stupid cat. <laughs> there there was like he's probably dead. 
or if he's not dead, there's no saving him at all. Not that I would want to try anyways. <laughs> and, and so it's just like, well, he's gone now. <laughs> Whatever. Stupid So cat. you passed the test. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I guess, I guess now it's time to make a pair of gloves out of him or something. <laughs> What's left of his fur. <laughs> um, okay, so... I guess that's a that's a good transition. I mean, I don't. I, I'm not trying to say that there's like, um, you know, Bible says a righteous man cares even for his animals, and uh-huh. I don't know that. Uh, I mean, I think any time even an animal dies, like I think it should be a reminder to us that like sin has entered into the world, and death is result of sin, and right. death is an enemy, and and so I think that there's a kind of you know sadness that is appropriate to something like that, to where. Um, it's a kind of sadness to say, Hey, you know, like this is the result of our sin. Right. Mm -hmm. And one day God's going to come back and set everything right and fix it all and everything else. And so just kind of like, uh, I'm not advocating for, uh, you know, you know, a little kid with a, a magnifying glass, like, burning the ant up in glee or delight or something like that because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, worthless garbage. Uh, it's like, well, no, these are creatures that have the breath of life in them too, mm-hmm. and they're affected by, you know, human beings' moral decisions. But I think the kind of sadness there should be a moral sadness that is just um, like um, – it's a reminder of you know the sinfulness of human beings, and, and but I don't, I don't think it should be the, this extended, overpowering you know mm-hmm. grieving you know that would be appropriate to a human being. I mean that's just totally inappropriate you know mm-hmm. in those moments. And if you have let yourself get that attached, it, it is because you were looking to that animal to do something more than just be a source of enjoyment and uh, and or have some sort of utility or you know function or value. I mean. You know, if you're, I mean, it might be that, you know, you're the little girl on the farm and, you know, every time the cow gets slaughtered, you, you know, cry because you're a sensitive soul or whatever else and you can't help your emotions or something. But that's kind of a childish thing that you should grow out of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> that shouldn't be characteristic of, of adults, you know what I mean? Like that's something that hopefully you grow out of and it's, uh, it, it's endearing in a certain way, but like it's... Um, you know, it's not uh, healthy for adults to behave that way. Like as far as that goes, you mm-hmm. know. So I mean, if you're driving your car down the road and you hit a deer, I mean, I think unless you're like just, uh, you know, have no sensitivity whatsoever, it's just like, oh well, you know, like got what he was got, he got what he uh, <laughs> had coming. You know, it's just like, well, that's kind of sadistic but all right I mean, that's a little weird <laughs> yeah but i mean like just to sit there and you know cry like a baby for you know three weeks about the deer you know it's mm-hmm. like something happened like what's going on you know like there's bigger problems there than um everything else but yeah so but yeah no i i if if, if a person is able to you know lose a pet and not be reduced to a blubbering mess for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would say that maybe they figured out how to do it well, but I just don't see many examples of that. Uh huh. Because I think the idea of a pet itself is problematic. Well, I think that leads me into the next question pretty well, which is essentially you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I can't remember who it was, um, but talking to, it was Fauci. Oh, yeah, Fauci. Uh, testing on the dogs or whatever and people were 
more upset about that than about <sighs> abortion, right? They're more upset about testing on dogs than they are about baby murder. And, um, and you know, obviously I think for, I think for Christians, the, my experience with Christians when it comes to what I'm about to ask is essentially, um, they all kind of, uh, Christians kind of have this response when it comes to, uh, like watching movies, for example, you watch movies and there's the, the human characters. And then oftentimes there'll be like the, the family dog that's in the movie or, or whatever it is the the animal that's tagging along and a lot, my experience with people is whenever we, whenever we watch those kinds of movies, the response is normally something along the lines of, I was more sad when the dog died than, than when the human characters died. And this is, this is so, this is so kind of universal in terms of, people thinking that way that there's even websites. I don't know if you know this, but there's websites that you can go to when you're going to watch a movie that essentially they're, uh, they'll tell you if the dog dies. Right. So, I mean, there's one, I think it's literally called does the dog die. And it's, it's a website dedicated to telling you, Hey, you know, it's because you've rejected the function of human beings and you're looking for that in animal. And the fact that you like the very act of looking for companionship in an animal is an act of despising human beings Mm -hmm. itself. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what you're doing. So just like, you know, like a sodomite looking uh, to a man to find what he should be finding in a woman. He's that very act is training him to despise women. Right. And it's right. Sure, it, and like, that's why, you know, sodomites, they like, they hate kids. Right. Like they hate kids, like, like over and over and over again. Like, I, like they just like kids are inconvenient and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, kid, you know, it's like, it's because they're like the very act of that is like despising, you know, um, children and women in a certain way. And when you're looking to pet for companionship instead of a, another human being, that very act of turning to an animal for that is an act of despising human beings. So that's why you have that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially what I was going to ask is why are people this way where, you know, you watch John wick and, <laughs> and the guy, get, kill my dog. his, his dog, him. his dog gets, gets, you know, quote unquote murdered in the beginning of the movie. And then he goes on a mass murder shooting spree, essentially. Yeah. Now, I guess maybe, maybe somehow you could try and justify his killing of definitely in the, like killing hundreds of people probably in the first, I've, I haven't watched how many, I haven't counted how many people he kills in the first movie alone, but surely it's over a hundred people yeah. that he kills because his dog dies. Maybe you can justify it a little bit in saying that, well, look, his wife gave him the dog and then she died and the dog was the only thing he had left to remember her by or whatever. But then still, you can't go on a murder spree because the dog dies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think that's essentially why, though, is it, that the act itself of looking to an animal for that is an act of despising um despising human beings right fundamentally right i mean you know and that's the whole thing i mean like you know like a girl goes into lesbianism or whatever else it's like it's an act of hatred for men and it's no shock that she hates men and 
like doesn't want anything to do with them because it's a it's a rejection of men right in that way or the sodomite it's a rejection of women and offspring and children like it's a rejection of those kind of things and when you're looking to an animal i mean there's there's that's what people are doing you know instead of getting married they're looking to an animal for that and like when you feed that you feed your affection you put all your affections all the that stuff you're supposed to be putting into a human right mm-hmm. all these like emotions and you're tying it now to an animal you're doing violence to your relationship between you and other human beings like you're you're making yourself a less healthy person like in terms of mo- emotionally and mentally and everything else that's what you're doing you know and so then that's why people react it like the way that they react it's because like this thing was their replacement human right mm-hmm. and so and so like they're taking all that stuff and they're putting it into this dog, this animal, and that's why they despise human beings and it shows up you know and that's why you have all the like the things you're talking about, like, uh, and that's why we care so much about it. And so it's because the, the act itself is a rejection of humanity mm-hmm. fundamentally. Now you know? I, I have seen some people who, who, when you bring up like the, the movie and the dog dies or whatever, or you see the, the news article where, you know, all the, the family dies and the dog was with them and the dog died too, or something. Um, I have seen some people argue, well, hey, the reason it's more sad that the animal died is because the animal is essentially defenseless. Like normally we I think we view animals as kind of morally good, especially the pet golden, the family golden retriever. Right. And so some people argue in terms of but like you can beat a dog and the dog will still come back and yeah lick you the next day right right so so, you, but then he, yeah so that's obviously so that must make it more sad you know because essentially the dog is is somehow more of a victim than the human was so so what's your response to that kind of um objection sure i mean i i think you know you, you look at an objection like that and Essentially, I mean, I think my the other explanation is essentially what's happening on a fundamental level. But then that would be just um, um, I think that kind of objection has a long history of training to get us to that point. So I mean, like you watch Bambi or something like that, and it, you know you're greeted with the on, ominous words, you know, man has entered into the forest, and we've had like years and years and years of training to essentially um, train us that like human beings have no place in the natural order, essentially Mm -hmm. that we're seen as an intrusion. And so like, you know, movies like Bambi or, you know, Avatar or that kind of stuff, like we're trained to think that man is an interruption into the natural order itself. Mm -hmm. And so like the natural order itself is fundamentally kind of like this good thing and this is kind of where the natural path movement goes as well. Is that nature is deified, nature is seen as like good, right? And then by virtue, by extension, animal. You know, all like how many times have you heard people talk about you know animals seek to live in harmony, you know, as far as that goes, and you know, then human beings like we mess everything up, you know, because <laughs> we're consumeristic, materialistic Westerners who you know with capitalism and all that kind of stuff, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, but the problem with that though is the Bible says that the 
creation itself is subjected to futility, you know, and like the cre- the, the creation itself is fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. Now it's broken on account of human being sin, but it's broken, uh, and so like there is no um, like you, you know you have all these animal rights advocate uh, uh, advocates who are you know weeping over the death of tigers, you know, in these uh, third world countries or whatever mm-hmm. else <laughs> that are getting shot by these hunters. But then, like, the people on the ground are, like, getting eaten by these tigers, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because the natural world is set in opposition and hostile to us at fundamentally every way. I mean, that's why the Bible describes, like, false prophets as brute beasts who are made to be caught and destroyed. Like, animals, like, there's a fundamental uh, disharmony that was introduced with the fall, meaning like there's a war against the offspring of the serpents and the offspring of the woman, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like that has a spiritual parallel, but it also has a physical parallel in that the natural natural order is set against us in hostility to us. I mean, bears are trying to kill you, you know, tigers are trying to kill you, snakes are trying to kill you, alligators are trying to kill you, right? And, and mm-hmm. like now, I think in, you know, after years and years and years of effort, we managed to domesticate a few animals, right? Uh, but not many, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to domesticate a raccoon or a possum or, you know, anything. Well, like anything some like people, you. some people want to do that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it. Well, you'll probably have a video of people doing it eventually, but I'm just trying to say that, like, you just look at, you know, like there's horror stories of like, uh, you know, the hippies living with the commune of lions who are getting attacked every day, you know, to make the movie and all that. And, you know, that's been covered up. But I mean, like, like the thing is, like, we are fundamentally at, at war with the with uh, animals in a way that only will really truly be resolved when when Christ returns. And mm-hmm. so now with like animals, I think we've we've kind of trained uh, through, you know, genetic engineering in many, many years, certain breeds of dogs to be compliant and doormat kind of dogs right mm-hmm. but then there's for for any for any of those stories there's still uh, plenty of other stories of the two pit bulls eating the jogger you know <laughs> or the old man getting eaten by his household of dogs when he comes home you know after not feeding them for long enough you know and so like the thing is i mean like um um you, you know there, there is a fundamental disharmony between man and animal that maybe we resolve in certain ways and maybe we don't, but like there's more going on than just like, oh, well, these are innocent animals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you think about like the behavior of animals, I mean, they're fundamentally immoral by human standards, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like the male lion comes into the pride and, you know, uh, kills the old guy, you know, who can't defend himself, <laughs> takes all the ladies for himself, and then, like, kills off all the little baby lion offspring in order to, you know, like, that's, like, fundamentally immoral. But the thing is, like, the, there is a r- truth that, like, morality doesn't even apply to the animal kingdom because mm-hmm. it's only a human concept, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about it that way, it's like this is inapplicable anyways, right? Like, uh, like m- meaning, like you can, it, to to hold like an animal to human standards is fundamentally a contradiction in terms, morally speaking. Anyways, mm-hmm. right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, w- when you were giving that explanation, it reminded me of this video that I watched a long time ago, um, where, like, I guess I don't know if it was a, you know, a documentary or or what it was, but it, it was very graphic. It was. Um, these hyenas were chasing um, a gazelle, right? And they, they catch the gazelle 
and they uh, they start. I mean, just start tearing the gazelle apart, and it's extremely graphic. You're seeing everything, and then all of a sudden, you realize that this gazelle was pregnant, and they rip out the you know the like baby gazelle or whatever you call them before they're born, and um, no, this must have been this must have been online yeah, somewhere. No one's eating while they're watching or listening. To this. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because it, it was it was graphic. It was very graphic. Yeah, we I needed was, a trigger warning at that point. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I I wasn't ready for that, but it, it, I think it was online somewhere. Like maybe I saw it on Reddit or something. I'm not sure, but all the comments were like, "This is so sad. I can't believe this would ever happen in the wild." You know, but then you think about that juxtaposed to what we are doing as a society, you know, you're, you're, you're murdering 60 million babies, you know, in the womb They They never get to be born or really have a chance at the life that God's given them. And then most people aren't even batting an eye at it. So there's obviously a clear difference in terms of, uh, I mean, a disturbing, a disturbing yeah. difference. Yeah. But, but what's, what's interesting about that also is that, um, you know that kind of thing only makes sense in the Christian worldview, right? To, so, uh, uh, me, meaning, like, if you have an evolutionary worldview, then obviously, like, the hyenas are doing what hyenas are doing is survival right. of the fittest, right? And if we're just like <clears throat> advanced animals, then where is the outrage for the puppy being experimented on? Where is the outrage of, you know? Uh, human beings putting animals in cages and dominating them and, you know, using them for food and everything else. It's like, it's like the animals aren't following these rules. Mm-hmm. Like they're, like there are carnivore animals. And so, you know, what, where's the outrage coming from? It, it doesn't come from an evolutionary worldview. It, like evolutionary worldview basically says if might makes right, right. So if we, if we're stronger than them, we're smarter than them, you know, they do just as bad to each other as what, you think we're doing so right the problem right right um i don't i don't know why i i don't remember what you said that made me think about that but i was just like this is such a strange contradiction coming into the the lion coming it must have been it must have been that um but i guess old guys taking all the women and you know whatever um but i guess that leads me to the the last few questions which are all kind of coming from the same vein um you know when you think about it seems like the bible really really is trying to tell us that uh especially in especially in genesis that god has given us uh the animals to help us and and serve us and be subjugated to us um and and you know in an agricultural society that mainly looks like you know, you have you have the oxen that are plowing your fields, and you probably maybe you have horses or or in the Middle East camels that um, you we use or donkeys that we use for transportation, and you know they they have a lot of different um, farm applications. But then we obviously don't really live in that same society, and and even even when it comes to uh, people who have based their livelihood in agriculture, we we're so advanced at this point that oftentimes you have giant, uh, giant, yeah, giant machines that are, that are doing all of this work at, uh, much more efficiently than animals ever could. Um, so we've, we've 
begun to find other uses for animals. And, you know, a lot of times it's things like, Hey, you put, you put Shamu in the cage or in the enclosure at sea world, or you put the, the polar bear in the zoo, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama or, or whatever it is, or you test, you know, uh, make new makeups or medications on animals, uh, to see if they're safe for humans. So, um, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our conversation has been about, Hey, we don't need to, we've, we've taken our care for animals far beyond whatever it was supposed to be. I mean, we're so far past the line that it's, it's crazy. It's, we're trying we, to marry our dog. We're, we're trying to marry our dog. Right. And, um, so that, but that does beg the question, you know, um, we've taken it this far. Are these kind, are these new uses that we've, that we've found for animals? Are they, are they acceptable uses? Should we be, um, should we be upset? You know, when it comes to the Fauci thing, should we be, should we be upset, you know, um, at least to a much lesser degree than, um, the, the baby murder, uh, that's going on to try and come up with a, with a antidote to COVID-19. Should we be less upset, but still upset? Or should we not care at all that, that, that those kinds of things are taking place? What, what should our view as Christians be who understand that God has, um, he's subjugated the world to us. Uh, but then he's also, he's also entrusted us with, you know, keeping it and taking care of it. Sure. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that, um, it seems like there's so many questions at that point that I don't know that I'm going to be able to unravel them all in a quick, <laughs> quick way. But, um, like in terms of just, uh, um, some, um, you know, I think I could probably come up with 20 different questions or ways to go about trying mm-hmm. to answer all that. But, um, I, I think, um, maybe you could talk about different eschatologies at this point to try to get at some of that. So, um, it seems like the eschatology of avatar essentially is to say that, you know, the salvation of the earth is going to be found by basically getting rid of all the humans and letting nature be like by itself in its raw form. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's an eschatology like that, that essentially the human being is the intrusion upon the natural order and basically every like it like human being has no place in the natural order it by itself is a good that needs to be left alone and the only way like the logic of that ultimately is the humans must die right mm-hmm. and i mean that's like the plot of you know movie after movie after movie is that you know we've intruded upon this and we just like basically logic is we just got to go right so that everything can be healed right <laughs> right and so you have like a eschatology that has no human being involvement in that, right? And then I think on the opposite extreme, you have like an eschatology that has no place for animals, you know, mm-hmm. and basically just in a simplistic way says says that all animals are just made to be caught and destroyed, right, mm-hmm. and disposed of, and so they're not human beings. And so then you have an eschatology that's just totally, you know, only humans, right? No place for animals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing and, and it seems like that there's some kind of uh, middle ground thing I mean not necessarily middle of the road position but there's some way to say hey um, human beings are part of the natural order 
right? Mm -hmm. They're not an intrusion upon it. But then animals are also part of the natural order in a way that God designed. And I would say that, you know, God has pit the two of us against each other because of the fall. And there's some things that may never be resolved this side of, you know, the Lord's return. Like the bears are, you might always, you know, eat you. (laughs) 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 Right. I mean, there are predators who will just kill you if they can. And like that, there may be no way to wreck, like you may never tame the hyena pack, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you try, you know, your kid might, uh, I mean, I remember a story of, you know, a person keeping an exotic pet uh, as a pet or whatever. And the, I think the leopard came and, you know, bit the baby's arm off, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that there's like, there's, there's a war there that's going on. And, but then the, the thing is got, so I think like that the fall has introduced difficulties between animals and humans that may not be overcome in this life so that it may be that every time you see a tiger, the appropriate thing to do is shoot it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because it's made to be caught and destroyed and it's going to, it's either you or him and God values your life more than his because you're made in his image. Right. Um, but then, so, so I think, you know, I think God's designed the world in such a way that, you know, all the animals have their part and we're supposed to use our wisdom and intelligence to figure out how to, trust that he had a purpose with them. Right. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you could think about how ecosystems actually work. And it's just like, if you kill off all the one animal, then the other animal grows, you know, out of control. And then there's problems that are introduced. And so, you know, just coming in there and thoughtlessly removing God's creation, isn't just an answer. And at the same time though, worshiping, you know, the creation and, and basically elevating them in status or dignity above you it leads to its own share of problems as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so God's given given us dominion over, like we're more important, more intrinsically valuable than this aspect of its creation. But then there's a distinction. So, so it's like, hey, we're more valuable than animals, but then animals have more dignity because they have the breath of God in them than a tree, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and maybe a tree has a little more value than a rock, you know, or something <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like there's a hierarchy of things, but then, you know, so I don't think we should just thoughtlessly, you know, um, you know, just thoughtlessly without any wisdom, just destroy every animal you come across. But if I see any bugs in my house, they're all dying, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so, <laughs> or if there's any predators in my backyard, they're gone, they're dead. You know what I mean? Like that's the way it works. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know that there's a simple answer to that other than just to say, I mean, I, I mean, I, and that's part of an answer to that is just to say that, you know, we have to be wise and, you know, and, and the Bible says a righteous man cares even for his animals. And, and, you know, we're living in a society right now that machines can do a lot of the work that animal can do, animals can do. And so, you know, like putting them in a zoo or like preserving them and keeping them around is something that we can marvel at and say, hey, isn't God, God's creation unique and something be enjoyed. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It, it, you know, if you have that choice over just, you know, kill all the tigers off or put them in cages <laughs> of the zoo, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is doing something good. Um, but then, um, uh, you know, if you're living in a third world country where you're being raided by the tigers, I think you're going to want them to die, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so there's that. But uh, now, now, should you experiment on them? I mean, I, I think there's something sadistic about the kind of kid who's like, you know, throwing the cat off of the, um, throwing the cat off of the roof just to see if he always is going to fall on his foot, you know, feet, you know. Mm-hmm. 
that, that kind of thing. I, I think that you're showing, you know, despising God's creation and just, you know, causing it needless harm is not um, helpful in any respect. And so I think um, that is showing contempt for something that God made for a purpose. And if you don't know what the purpose is, you might want to be um, cautious in what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as that goes and you know the wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God requires taking out your temper on a dog or taking your temper out on a um, you know on your donkey if uh, it's preventing you from going where you want because an angel with a flaming sword is standing in your way you know like that's not you know good thing right right Uh, but um, you know whether or not it's okay to experiment on animals or issues of factory farming and that kind of stuff I I would say that um, um if the you know PETA had its way, you know humans would be dead and the animals would be alive, and we feed you know more people all over the world because of you know some of these techniques that are considered uh, inhumane. And so I I uh, I think an animal is worthy of dignity, but it's not worthy of a dig- kind of dignity that humans uh, worthy of. Okay, mm-hmm. so and you know I don't know that uh, every pet I don't know that every animal deserves its own backyard with a you know, its own, uh, air conditioned pet, uh, dog house or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, uh, now I think that there's ways that you can just be unnecessarily cruel to your food, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, it, that's worthy of a more extended discussion than this, you know, but then at the same time, you know, um, Ultimately, animals are part of the creation that uh, we have dominion over. That uh, you, you know, you're living in a human-centered world, not a animal-centered world, too. Right. But uh, any follow-ups you want to ask on that? Yeah. Specifically? Yeah. W- um. I guess the first one is: would wouldn't you say that when it comes to the person who is, you know, like the the kid who throws the cat off the roof t- twelve times to see how many times the cat lands on its feet? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you say a part of that is, uh, it, that must inform, um, that must inform an observer in terms of how highly they would view human life as well. Right. I mean, if they're, if, if they value an animal so little, uh, that they would just pick it up and and throw it off the roof for no other reason than just to see what happens. Um, isn't it like a rational thing to say what, what's stopping this person from taking that farther? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I mean, I think, uh, I I think so to some degree. I don't mean that in terms of, you know, obviously the animal is as valuable as a human. Therefore, um, if they're, if they're willing to do it to the animal, they're willing to do it to a human. I mean it more in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, it, I think it could be yeah. I like think progressively, could, could. you know, pushing the boundaries more and more and more. Yeah, I think it could be that you're, yeah, obviously a, a kind of kid doing that kind of thing might be a serial killer in the making, right? Just enjoys <laughs> ca- causing yeah. things harm, perhaps, you know, like I, I wouldn't want to, uh, I, w- I mean, it, it, and it might just be that he's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that, like, I mean, kids, like, destroy everything, right? Right. 
so like they tear up their toys like you know go over to their friend's house and tear up everything and just you know they don't you have to kind of train them to like take care of things in general but then I wouldn't say okay yeah you know you poke holes, holes in your you know your your friend's wall with a stick or something right mm-hmm. like that well that's just a you know psychopathic uh you know contempt for things that's going to lead you to be a serial killer but i mean it may you know but (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i think yeah i think i think you know there might be in a lot of cases that kind of uh correlation though too right uh but Mm -hmm. then the problem is like the animal rights people um you know they look at things like like they um they don't have any like there is a difference between the animal and the human right and so it's like hey if you shoot the deer for food aren't you causing them pain and aren't you killing their life it, yes and are you doing it so in order to eat yes you know it's like well, are you training yourself to be a cannibal well no right <laughs> i'm training myself to like a deer burger you know that's what i'm doing <laughs> the classic gateway drug to cannibalism venison <laughs> Right. It's like, no, I mean, it's like, you know, so yeah, I, I think that, I think though, when you do show that level of like callous contempt for God's creation, you're doing something that's fundamentally um, immoral, you know, and um, you, when you despise God like that, why would you have any respect for people generally? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, so the next one is, I guess, just more pointedly asking, you know, when it, when it comes to like the, uh, test testing stuff on animals, for example, testing medicine on animals to see if it's safe for humans. Where where exactly does that typically fall in terms of um, the morality of it? I mean, is it is it a scenario where you say, uh, "Well, hey, look, the options are either we test it on animals or we don't test it at all and possibly risk unnecessary human death," or is or is it a conversation maybe more along the lines of there's got to be some other way to, you know, um, try and figure out the safety of, of these types of drugs or, um, or maybe even worse for some people listening. You know, I know they, I know they test like makeup and stuff on animals and, and that's obviously not nearly as, as crucial, a um, uh, an endeavor. It's not as certainly like we don't need makeup, right? We just we just like to use makeup, so is that really justifiable uh, morally uh, in terms of testing those kinds of things on animals, medicine, and and makeup as the examples? Yeah, with the idea of is it okay to experiment on animals uh, or you know makeup testing makeup on animals uh, that sort of question? It seems that there's several kinds of passages in the Bible that you want to try to harmonize. Uh, so you want to harmonize the proverb, which tells us that a righteous man is good even to his animals. And so it seems that a righteous man won't seek to cause uh, animals unnecessary harm. Uh, but then at the same time, there's a whole another set of passages that say, uh, like Second Peter 2.12, that describe animals in this way. But the they're, they're compared to false prophets, and it says these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed um, you know because uh, of the effects of sin you have a whole category of predators that are put into the world uh, just simply to be an obstacle to humans that 
you know, if you were living during the time where dinosaurs existed, you, you're going <laughs> to, you see an animal, it's either you or them. And because you're made in the image of God, your life is more valuable than them. So there's not some, you know, universal pro- prohibition against causing animals pain, uh, period. In fact, uh, some animals need a good killing, essentially. That's the <laughs> point. And so, um, that's true. I mean, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, how like, God has given, you know, in the creation mandate and, and as it's restated with Noah, God's given us animals for food. And so um, so one of the things to realize is that in order to um, eat an animal, you're going to have to kill it and you're going to have to cause it pain. And so the, you can't just say in some simplistic way that any attempt to cause an animal pain is morally wrong. I think you're going to um, not want to cause it unnecessary pain. But then the nature of this question is that we're trying to answer the question, what is necessary pain and what isn't, Right. So that's essentially what we're trying to get at. Now, I, I think um, in the Bible, if you think about the idea of the scapegoat in the Old Covenant or the uh, where the sins of the people are put on the, on the goat and it's you know, driven out of the uh, city or like the idea of sacrificial lambs, God has instituted that uh, you, know, you have animals that were killed, whether birds or lambs. Um, in order to become a substitute for uh, humans to protect them from death, it seems that you have a principle in those kind of uh, examples that would mean that causing an animal pain in order to prevent, uh, to mitigate the effects of the fall for human beings in some way, uh, there is some precedent for that in the Bible. So it doesn't seem to me that in some sort of simplistic way uh, you can... uh, Articulate that it would be morally wrong for an animal to take the place of a human, uh, like their life, as a substitute for the human's life. Uh, so it seems like some saying that in some sort of simplistic way would be uh, not uh, faithful to what the Bible's teaching. So it does seem that there is at least um, some category of animal testing that could be put into that category um, that would be uh, morally permissible as far as that goes. For me now, um, I think there's obviously different types of testing that you could do on animals. I don't. I brought up the Fauci situation where he's uh, putting you know dogs' heads inside these little enclosures and insects are eating them um, while they're alive, that sort of thing. Or you know, even I've seen like disturbing videos of um, you know of uh, I think Chinese people basically boiling a dog while it's still alive in a pot. And I just, I think that seems to me, I'm not disturbed by the fact that they're eating it. I'm disturbed by the fact that they're boiling to death in a pot while it's still alive. And so I I think, you know, um, not all animal testing is equal. And there are Nazi kind of experiments that you could do on an animal. You know, I, I just, you can get the tiger and, well, it's a creature made to be caught and destroyed. And so let's see how many arms it can cut off before it dies kind of experiments <laughs> that, hey, it may get you some useful information, but is that morally necessary um, as far as that goes? Or, hey, what would happen if we, you know, cut off the lower uh, part of a tiger and tried to attach it to a cow's uh, legs or something like that. I think that there are things like that that you should probably, that that don't pass the smell test in the same way. But in principle, I think there is some sort of category there. You just need, you know, probably a better ethicist than me to work out the particulars as far as that goes. Now, the idea of testing medicine on a, uh, 
or t- testing makeup on an animal, what, um, what, what were you thinking of when you asked that? Because uh, you you seem to indicate that that was morally more reprehensible to some people than the idea of experimenting for like medicine. What what is the thought process there? Yeah, I think um so so some basically for anyone not familiar, I think what happens is you know you have these makeup companies that make whatever product and and you know they'll say some it'll be like eyeliner or something that doesn't irritate the eyes or something along those lines and um essentially what they do is they they'll take the eyeliner and put it in the eyes of animals to see their reaction to it and whether or not uh you know they respond to like a a a painful reaction from the makeup. And so for some people, you know, this is like a moral, morally reprehensible action because it's, it's not even, you know, life or death kind of trying to, trying to test it on animals so that we can see, Hey, will this be deadly to humans or something? It's just, um, about level of comfort essentially. And, and they don't really see that as, you know, a worthwhile endeavor to, to put animals through some kind of pain just to see if the makeup doesn't irritate your eyes or something like that. And so for some people that seems way worse. And so I I wanted to hear what you had to say on, you know, you've, you've talked about the, yeah, when, when it's life or death, you know, um, even the Bible has, has plenty of scenarios where you, you give up the animal for, um, the preservation of human life. But then what about these sort of lesser examples where it's not about the preservation of human life or, or really even human well-being? It's just more kind of comfort. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, human well-being, I mean, comfort would be in the category of human well-being, though, too. So I don't know that I would um, distinguish that in such a harsh way, but I take the point you're making right? as far as that goes. Um Maybe part of that discussion is a, just a discussion on the permissibility of makeup or that kind of thing anyways. And so uh, maybe part of the reaction there is uh, you are living in a society right now that, you know, like, let's be honest, feminism makes ugly women, okay? So, <laughs> like, if you want to learn how to be, like, revolting to men, just be a feminist. And so, like, the, and part of that is, like, it's true. Of, well, I mean, a rejection of femininity at almost every level to where it's almost like more desirable just to have woman in her natural, you know, let the armpit hair grow out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take a bath, you know, uh, let the he- leg hair grow. And I mean, there there are plenty of like, you know, quote unquote, Christian women who are having who feel morally offended at the thought of even wearing makeup or at all or you know why should i have to be you know attracted attractive to a man or subject to the male gaze or you know and it's almost as if it's more virtuous to be hideous to look at you know than it is to <laughs> even try you know so i think part of that discussion might th- then hinge on how um on makeup in general and maybe we need to have a whole podcast on you know should women um wear makeup, you know, kind of thing <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, in general. But, uh, you know, it seems it, it, it still does seem to me that 
it's hard to have a simplistic, you know, any um, um, pain that is caused to an animal to, you know, aid mankind in its basic tasks that are given. And I mean, I, I think, you know, for women, it, uh, you could just read through the Old Testament and I just read through the Song of Solomon, um, just read through different stories in the Old Testament and the, the idea of beauty preparations for a woman like prior to getting married, it, I mean, that's just a normal, natural thing. Like women are created to be beautiful. And I don't see why uh, using the creation uh, in order to accomplish its purposes is a bad thing. I mean, I think you know, the fact that we've invented razors and things like that, right? Like uh, I think that anything that can – I think the fall has a way of marring – you know, female beauty. And I think using technology to try to enhance it is probably a good thing. I mean, I, I'm glad that we have deodorant. I'm glad that we have baths, uh, you know, I, I, don't, oh, yeah. I don't think the natural scent of a man is, you know, <laughs> very inviting, you know? And so if there's a way that we can like eliminate through technology, some of the, like, um, and, and make, you know, like pursue, what the opposite sex might find desirable. I think that's largely a good thing. And yes, I mean, I would rather an animal uh, that's made to be caught and destroyed go blind instead of like a woman going blind as far as that goes. Uh, so, like, I mean, I think that there's, you could do that kind of thing with um, pain medication and stuff to eliminate some of the things. But I think that, I, th- I you know, it's hard to give a, I think without getting into the weeds of what particular thing, I, it just seems to me that like if that is just – it more hinges on what you think about med- uh, makeup in general, I think, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that goes. And and you probably need uh, a longer discussion on that. But, you know, I, I think um, – that I, I don't think in a simplistic way you can just say, oh, man, that's just awful unless you adopt some kind of um, – personification of animal or deify animals in certain ways or just have no category whatsoever for causing an animal discomfort period you know so mm-hmm. i think you have to adopt something like that in order for it to be totally morally impermissible okay okay well uh i guess to just to kind of uh take us home on the episode uh, now that we've discussed a lot about you know um it, it feels like basically a lot of what we talked about this episode is here's what uh, you shouldn't do with animals. Here's how we shouldn't view animals, how we shouldn't treat animals. So if you could just take a minute and maybe explain for everyone listening, I mean, probably I would, I would, I'm pretty confident in saying that probably most of the people who will ever listen to this podcast probably ha- either have a pet right now or have had a pet at some point in their life. And so maybe just take a moment and, and explain uh, what you think the Bible tells us about how we should actually treat pets in general. Sure. So uh, I think animals are obviously God had a purpose in bringing animals here. And I think most naturally when you think about the purpose of animals in general, you, you, you think that, um, that, I mean, you could see, I think particularly in agrarian societies, how they can have some sort of usefulness. So an ox can help you plow a field, you know, a, a cow can give you milk, uh, and give you hide and, um, in order to clothe you and everything like that. And so I think, um, 
in general, like the normal way that God has designed animals is to have some sort of utility, as we talked about, to be useful in some sort of way. It'd be a means of transportation, to be a source of food uh, and clothing, um, and and that sort of thing. And so, and and I also think, um, you know, beyond that, you have animals that are here just to marvel at and wonder at and and they point you back to God and his good design for the earth and his wisdom and they reveal certain parts of his attributes and everything else. Now, when you talk about pet, I think the concern that we've addressed in the course of the podcast is the concern that people are looking to pets to do, uh, to meet these basic needs for companionship, desires for companionship that they've had. And so what they're doing essentially is they're, treating an animal like they're investing all the emotions and and desires that they should be invested in human beings and looking to human beings they're looking to animals to do that and so with those two definitions of um, pets that were given they, they are looking for animals uh, to be a companion in a problematic way and so but but it seems to me that it's possible to have that second usage of animals as a pet, meaning that they're there for pleasure rather than utility. Um, and I, I, you know, I just I would say that we most naturally know how to do this already with animal pets, not as companions, with certain kinds of animals over and against others. And so, you know, if you have a pet a parakeet, for instance. I don't know that anyone is going to weep and sob and cry over the death of a pet parakeet or a pet turtle or a Well pet maybe if you're the main characters of Dumb and Dumber. Well, <laughs> <laughs> pets heads are falling off. Our pets heads are falling <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. But um it yeah. All right. So uh but I mean I think like the idea of you know you go to some sort of you know millionaire's house and he has a a glass wall that is an aquarium with a bunch of fish in there I mean no one like has some sort of emotional attachment to these fish I mean you can look at that and you say oh isn't God good isn't that neat isn't that neat like something so I think we have the idea already of a pet for enjoyment this already present in our vocabulary it's just that with particular types of pets we as a society i think have given ourselves permission to attach all of our emotions to them uh as if they're humans you know human beings substitute companions for us and we're looking to them to do for us what human beings should and so i think if you could try to figure out the difference between like a pet turtle or a pet parakeet or a pet fish and a pet like whatever you think would be appropriate to level of enjoyment and love and care you would have for those kind of things. is probably, you know, honestly the kind of love and care that you should have for pets. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and, and, and one of the things that he was pointing out is I was talking about some of the things we were talking about in the episode. And, and he was saying that it seems to be that, like a very unique problem with our generation. Uh, like we can all imagine like the crazy cat lady or whatever else who has like the 20 cats, but that crazy cat lady with the 20 cats, like if one of them died, she just goes and gets another one. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not like the same kind of emotional attachment to the animals. And, and, and if you were to look at a lady like that, who has all those cats, I mean, that was something that in past generations, you kind of pity her. No one wants to you know end up like that. Right. No one wants to end up with like that crazy cat lady, but right now it's like I—I I mean, I'm—I talk to young people and 
they're spending four thousand dollars on they're in college trying to spend four thousand dollars on their animal uh uh companions you know uh that are therapeutic animals for them and they don't even feel embarrassed by the fact that this is they're dependent upon a therapeutic animal right like there's something dramatically different that's happening and 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 i think it's that we're doing all the bad things with pets instead of just looking at them like you might look at a turtle or a fish or a parrot you know Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 I would think that we already know how to do this with most animals, except for cats and dogs. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like we don't, we no longer know how to keep them in the proper perspective anymore because we are so used to feeding this, you know, human in, in, instinct, uh, impulse with them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen any pictures, um, of people feeding a piece of pizza to their wife turtle <laughs> at least not yet anyways maybe, maybe well, that's coming pretty kid, soon yeah i mean but you can imagine like the you know the wife or you can, you can imagine the pet turtle dying and like the kids in the family all cry right and then you think oh well that's like <laughs> all right kids like this is your first encounter with death you need to grow up right and when you but then you can't really imagine a grown up crying over a turtle if you if it's no. <laughs> crying over a turtle it's like yeah, something's wrong with you man you're like you've lost your way here and it's like you need some help right maybe you need to go to counseling or snap out like of that. it man <laughs> get a grip <laughs> get, get off the ground you know like what's wrong you know but then i think i th- so i think we already know that it's just that for some reason, you know, talk, we, we've allowed ourselves with particular types of animals to go, you know, uh, all of our emotions, put them in there in a way that is really abnormal historically, really. Yeah. So is that helpful? Is that, yeah, yeah. Is no, I, I think I think that's a, um, a good kind of landing question uh, to finish on. So uh, this has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you've been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.